this is kicking the tires. Uh, today I've got with me Luke hey. and Blake. How's it going? Uh, so I guess we'll kind of start off with uh, what's everybody's thoughts on the new Mustang that just got announced not too long ago. I think it's pretty hot. I think people need to stop trying to steal Ferrari engineers. I don't know. I'm so I I don't know. This is one of them things. It's a rent a racer all over again. Well, I mean, I think it's different. I mean, a lot of people do build their cars, and that's how they get the best performance and the most tuned performance. Um, but there is a whole bunch of people out there who might be a driver and not have any interest in the whole process, having to design it and stuff like that. And when you can buy what is essentially a race car just like that from your, from your Ford, which traditionally you would have to have someone else build it for you, find someone reputable to build it for you and do all this stuff for you versus just buying it right from a manufacturer. I'm not saying it's the route that I would go. But, but it was how much? $300,000. And you know good and well that we could probably put it together for a lot cheaper. It wouldn't look as good, but we can put it together a lot cheaper. Well, Dodge did. so <laughs> <laughs> that's That's probably true. But I, I don't like it mostly because of the fact of the matter that, you know, Mustang's always been the guys that bought a car because they had intent to either keep it the same or they were going to build on to it and do something to it. They were going to take and add the few parts that brings it up to 700, 800 horsepower. They were going to take and put new wheels or a new body kit on it. But now they're taking all the fun out of it and building one that's so expensive and so limited production numbers that, I don't even know why they announced they're putting it out there because average Joes aren't going to buy it. I do see what you're saying because Mustang has always been, it's for the average man. You work hard enough and you can afford it. You work and you save and you plan and you can buy a Mustang and it's a great sport car. It's a muscle car. I think sports car, muscle car are a little different, but you get what I mean by that. Well, it's crazy how much they've went up too. And I know a lot of this is due to the last three years of, the thing we will not mention because it's just crazy. But, you know, whenever I got my 2018 with a plan, it was, I think, somewhere around the low 30s. The new bottom-of-the-line Mustangs are at $55,000. They're a little bit cheaper than that, but I, I get what you're saying. Well, I'm, I'm sure they're a little bit cheaper than that, but the average GT bottom-of-the-line car that's got the v8 still in it is right around that high 40s to low 50s range i mean that's kind of crazy for what's supposed to be the average joe's car yeah and i get what you mean and then back to the the gtd i mean it's a very different take on a mustang it, it is still a mustang but it's got a lot more going on and a lot of research has been put into it a lot of design it's got even you've got active aero which you're not going to find on a lot of other sports cars other other race cars and um not to mention they've repositioned the engine and that's a that's a lot of work for the average person to do and this might be a safety thing to some people because this is a manufactured from from ford it's not someone else in the garage who just do all this together and have standard safety not even like a harness or something like that in their car and so there might be some safety factors at play here that people might be buying this because what kind of guarantees would come from a reputable manufacturer like ford well and i want to come back to that mid-engine thing here in just a minute but i also want to get his opinion on it because he's been pretty quiet about it i mean i don't know it's definitely expensive i think they're trying to go for more of like a supercar than like you were saying i understand what you mean but like you have the the mustang has always been kind of like Everybody calls it the poor man's sports car, you know, because, like, everybody can afford it. 
Um, which I mean, I also going back to like the price, you know, the new ones, you know, 40 inch thousand for something with a V8. I don't know. The new like Corollas are, you know, 30,000 at least. So I think that's just kind of cars in general are going up maybe. But, uh, as far as, I mean, they still have, I guess they're, you know, their average Mustangs. It's not like they stopped producing those. No. You know, no. and then Chevy's done the same type of thing. Like they have the Copo Camaro and stuff like that, you know, where they built a whole, like, I mean, I think some of those aren't even able to be registered on the street. They're just drag cars that are sold from Chevy. Well, and that's a shame that a lot of, a lot of the pony cars like the Charger and the Camaro and a few others are dying out. I mean, I'm a Mustang fan. I'm glad they're still going along with it, but you know, how long is it going to be? before Ford finally says, hey, we're done. Because I know this iteration is supposed to last until 2028, but who knows how long that's going to last. I mean, yeah, and part of you mentioned a Corolla earlier, Corolla earlier. I mean, how much horsepower does the new Corollas have? Well, it depends. The The normal ones, not much, but they do have those GR Corollas that just came out. Those are mm-hmm. 100 horsepower per cylinder, which is, you know, pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing as well. Yes, Internal combustion engines, so as a standard car purchase, is kind of going to be going away in the in the future, just due to new emissions regulations and power uh, goals and targets from governmental bodies. And I know not everyone's pleased about it. Trust me, I like working on cars too. I'm, I'm there with you, but don't he, test me. I'm going to be making bootleg bootleg gasoline just like a moonshiner would before I ever go to an electric car. But here's the thing, though. The gas cars that they are coming out with have much higher average horsepower numbers than what you would have been able to get a few years like a few years ago. And a lot of that is due to the smaller cylinders with bigger turbos and stuff like that. And you get some of that more top-end power. But having a having a V8 is gonna be one of the first engines to go just because of gas. And that's how, how it's it gonna happen. I mean, that's why Camaro and the other ones have died. And I mm-hmm. mean there was the big mess up of, I remember reading that Corvette, whenever they were going to do that last Z71 production year that they took and scrapped a lot of people's orders and told them, hey, we're going to send you the E-Ray instead. And it's like, that's not what I ordered. Mm-hmm. Well, why are you taking and backtracking on my big horsepower motor that I paid? Because I know Corvettes are around 100 dollars $120,000 cars. Depends on price. Depends on I mean... That's just crazy. The E-Ray is a pretty cool car, though. I think it also has a few growing pains it's going to have to go through because, yeah, it's not your big horsepower, big engine car. It's going to have a lot of horsepower in its uh, gasoline engine, but it's also a hybrid. So it gets some of those benefits of an electric. It's essentially going to have all-wheel drive with the electric on there, and it's going to be a really a real force we reckoned with once it comes out. Well, also, I mean, electric's not just like the end all be all. There are some companies experimenting with like other combustion types, like uh, hydrogen. Yeah. Toyota has their hydrogen combustion engine that they've been raving about. I mean, to me, it just kind of sounds like a small bomb on wheels, but you know, if it's safe what enough. What is the in oh the Envision? Is it not the Envision? No, what is that called? Uh, the one that looks like a DeLorean. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm honestly surprised there hasn't been any natural gas cars come out yet. Because the trucking industry went over to it for a while. I mean, they're getting away from that now because it's just it's it's not a very popular fuel source, but apparently it's just it's a lot better on the clean side. It keeps your motor from having a lot of problems. 
Yeah, I mean, diesels can run almost off of anything. I mean, yeah. anything combustible, they could almost run off of it. I mean, a few parts here, a few parts there, and get it to run. Yeah, I wonder how much of the U.S. we could just run off of McDonald's used oil, you know? Well, I mean, it's just like the dump trucks that we had back in the past. Most of them dads bought were old propane burner trucks. And all you had to do was you put a carburetor on top of them and change just a few things and change out the spark plugs. And next thing you know, you had a clean engine. I mean, you could have broke it down. It could have had 200,000 miles on it and looked brand new and start throwing gas through and it runs like a dream. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I guess propane's not a, a great source on the car end, but who knows? I don't know enough about propane engines to say whether it's got enough power. I'm not either. I'm not sure if it's a power issue, if it's a safety issue, or what the case is. Also, the availability of pro to, uh, propane, depending on where you go. I mean, if you're out, yeah, it is a it is a um, what a byproduct of the oil process, I guess. I'm, 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 <laughs> we're we're not scientists here. We're just if you're a petroleum engineer, reach out to us. Let us know. <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah, there's lots of options, and it's gonna be a wild west out there for a little bit of electric versus hydrogen versus those few gas cars that are going to be holding on and it's not going to be fun but long in the future i definitely see fewer and fewer people just owning cars in general more mm -hmm. ride sharing or maybe a subscription where you get a car every morning and it takes you to work whatever and then it's off doing other runs basically just a robo taxi well and you know i think it's just Electric cars to me are kind of off-putting, but I think it's just due to the fact of the matter that I'm old school in what I want to do. But they seem like there's so many expensive things about them that even though you paid the fifty, sixty thousand dollars to buy it, what's it going to cost if like the batteries ever go out or a motor goes bad on it? I mean, they're not going to last forever. Their batteries are weaker every time you charge them. Yeah, I mean that is an inherent thing with all those lithium batteries is they do wear out over time as you use them and they do plan ahead uh, i'm not sure the exact percentage but tesla in particular saves a percentage of their batteries that will never be used until another cell goes bad and then it steps in and it kind of keeps topping yeah. up your storage ability from your perspective but they they are going to we're out eventually, depending on weather. I mean, if you're in a colder climate, it's just not going to be as fun. Well, not even the storage on the vehicles, but just the energy storage that the U.S. has in general. Like, we're producing these cars so quickly, but we don't really have the infrastructure to deal with them. I mean, because the grid can hold a decent amount of energy, but we don't have the batteries that we need to, like, keep electric cars charged reliably, I feel like. Oh, yeah, that's the that's probably going to be the biggest fear of everybody is, is that, you know— the grid's not built to take that massive surge of energy, so what are we going to do? Until it's up to date, because most of this grid we have out here now is still probably what we had from the 60s and 70s. I mean, it probably would blow up the day you plugged in one. Well, there's a lot of places that are taking measures against it. Like, I know, like, Pennsylvania has passed some laws that, like, for every— um, for so much energy production, you have to have a certain amount of energy storage now and stuff like that, which will— but, like, the big thing is, imagine— you know, everybody goes to work, they drive their electric car to work, they come home around four or five o'clock, they're going to be plugging it in, and that's going to be a lot of people plugging their cars in at the same time, and that's what's been causing a lot of rolling blackouts in places. It's also a little bit different, though, because you have two different scenarios. You have suburbs, people who can plug their car in in their own personal garage, 
versus more densely populated cities where that's not an option. You are finding some kind of charger, supercharger. Yeah, you're going and, to a Walmart, you know, something like that. And using it while you're getting groceries or doing whatever shopping you need to do. And um, I think those are also very different because obviously the super superchargers charge very rapidly. It's a lot of power going through at once. And then also you have your home chargers, which are just kind of sapping power as fast as your house can handle it, basically. Yeah. Which, well, which is limited. I'm big on the philosophy of we should take, build probably the hybrids more than we go straight over to electric. It'd be an easier transition. It would help give more time towards building up the grid because it's just like, you know, diesel trains aren't truly ran off the diesel. They're electric motors that are fed by a diesel generator. So the use of diesel is not as high as it would be to have actual pusher motors on there. And they're extremely fuel efficient because with the diesel generator, they just run it at the optimal RPM for yep. the engine at all, all times. times. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that that's the thing like the trucking industry is talking about switching over to these electric trucks. They can't go more than 150, 200 miles, which is a chip shot, especially if you're doing over the road, that's just not possible. I know there's a few companies out there that are testing around doing the diesel generator with electric motors trying to run trucks that way, which would be a 10 times better method because, you know, it's going to get you more distance versus losing that. Because the only trucks that could run off 120 miles or more would probably be a garbage truck. And that, I mean, that. Well, mail vans and that kind of stuff. I mean, like city vehicles, like you were talking about highly populated areas, it does make a lot of sense. But like specifically where we live, it's more of a rural area, you know, stuff like that. Even. I know there's been a huge push for like electric farm equipment, which I think is great because like you got to think you're using it for the day and then you're parking it, charge it all night. I mean, there's no reason a tractor or something like that shouldn't be electric. But once again, comes down to mileage and also city versus uh, long haul. I mean, cities stop and go, stop and go with with the advances and and regenerative braking. A lot of electric cars excel in that kind of environment because otherwise they're just barely sipping any power until they have to go and then they recharge themselves a little bit and. Um, excuse me, but with a um, whole long haul trip, you have to stop and charge. Man. Well, it's going to take a while. Also, uh, stuff like, I mean, you deal with this every day, quarries. I mean, yeah. uh, there's a famous, I forgot the name of it, but there's a famous dump truck that was built that quite literally never has to be recharged because it goes up to the top, it picks up a load, and then it has so much extra weight coming down that it generates enough charge to fill its batteries to drive back up without the weight. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of the mining industry is like, you know, the what is it that's needed for the batteries, the lithium mines? A lot of the trucks out there, the triple sevens and the big dragline style excavators and stuff, they actually run off of battery power. Now, they have 20 motors on them that's running at full tilt all day long, but there's no really powerful enough motor to sit there and operate these machines. So it's better just to power electric motors and run them that way yeah so obviously i mean renewable energy sources are definitely going to take over in the future what do you guys think about like how do you guys feel about how some car companies are doing like the fake noises and stuff like that for the electric cars do you oh, guys think that, yeah like do you oh, guys agree the, with that i mean the challenger hell no god no i get why they're doing some form of fake noise and it, it is for safety i i remember this was one of some early electric cars, and um, it was a hybrid. It was a van, and I was walking in a um, walking to like a Target or something like that. And he started backing out, and it was in, in the electric mode of it. There was no sound, no auto, 
audible noise at all. And he just starts coming out. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't looking. I wasn't paying enough attention. But having some form of noise, some kind of indication, besides maybe just the taillights, could be safe for those situations. I don't think it's necessary when you're driving, like, full speed down a road, uh, like a highway or something like that. Your cars make noise just from well cutting through the air. But I then don't. is there something that could probably be, like, less intrusive? Because engine noise to a lot of people, especially in, like, the suburbs or something like that, you know, or, like, in big cities. I mean, in big cities, if you have fake engine noise going on, you know, and people can turn it up and turn it down, you know, you're going to – same thing with, like, people who have subwoofers in their car and shake your house when they drive by. You're going to get the same thing with people who have, you know – now you're going to have people who have 12, 15-inch subs or 15, 12-inch subs in their trunk and they're driving past your house shaking their windows with Dodge Hemi noises. Well, <laughs> I don't know. If they put better sounds to it, it might be better. But if, like, you've seen any videos of the new Challenger that's all electric they've brought out, I mean, it sounds like a Dyson's vacuum cleaner running around. I mean, I, I know that's all the horsepower they got, but come on. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. I mean, those electric motors can go. I, uh, I saw a, actually a video of, I guess it was different model Teslas, um, and they claimed that they were going to upgrade the suspension and everything with just a, a software update. Mm-hmm. And people were really skeptical of all that, but there was a guy who actually took it out on a track before and after and was just, he couldn't believe the difference between the track times and how it handled and everything. Well, as much as we give... Tesla, a lot of crap for, I mean, how much more advanced cars are getting, how much harder they are to repair. Tesla is actually pushing a whole lot for having just like three wires going to a given part. Um, their taillights, that's all it has is three wires. It's got power, ground, and data, and it's all handled through the data. That's less wiring going through it, and you just pop out that light fixture. If you need to place all of it, place all of it, whatever you got to do, yeah. and it runs just fine. I mean... So there are some benefits to these smarter and smarter cars. Well, simplicity is a definitely a good thing, but you know, it's kind of like it, it reminded me whenever he said something about software updates. What does somebody like in my case do? Because I've got atrocious internet. Like I probably don't even really need to have it in the first place. It's that bad. What what's a person like that supposed to do when a software update for one of these electric cars come out? I guess I'm not going to work for five days. Well, luckily for you, Elon Musk already came up with a solution to that. If you've ever looked up and seen like a weird spaceship looking line of dots go <laughs> through the sky, that's just because uh, you got some satellites up there. And I mean, Starlink's practically everywhere now. You can look up the map on Google, and I mean, it's almost like Skynet looking when you look it up. It's almost a little intimidating, honestly. But well, and here's. I don't know why this question just popped in my head, but I guess it's because this is part of what this show's all about. What's going to happen to the show scene when we switch over to these electric cars? Because they're they're kind of cookie cutter. I'm not going to lie; they don't they don't look great. Just like the Mustang Mach E, it looks like an SUV that a soccer mom's going to drive everywhere. And I don't think you're going to have many guys out there driving that to a car show. Well, you can make any car look aesthetically pleasing. Honestly, but the big thing for me is if you want to know how you still have fun in an electric vehicle, there's not a single car that can do a better burnout. Oh, <laughs> I do get what you're saying, though. I mean, there are a limited limited number of modifications, especially to the powertrain that you're, you're able to do. I mean, it just seems a lot more simple right now. That may change in the future, but motors and batteries and controller. That's well, about all the stuff you actually need to run one of those versus you have different types of cams. You have different intakes, different turbos, different superchargers. Yeah. That's and it's, it's gonna be very different. And it might be not a situation that we are familiar with or not. 
and um, it's gonna be a lot of growing. Well, most of the car scene and like competition with cars, anyways, honestly, throughout history has been using identical power in you know weighted cars, anyways, like NASCAR. I mean, they have strict standards, F1, all that kind of stuff. So, realistically, how much is it gonna change? I mean, probably not much. I mean, you can do everything you used to, and it really just comes down to the driver. So, I mean, as far as like car shows and stuff like that maybe it won't be as exciting maybe you have to try to come up with some way to have like some sort of a competition like a driver's competition or like a some sort of a maneuverability road course or maybe that's the thing that scares me the most about going to this electric stuff is is because you're basically getting ready to kill an entire culture because what's nascar going to do once they're out of gasoline engines what are the car show guys going to do once we get to a point where if we ever get dependent on it, that we don't have gasoline anymore. I mean, it's just, it's, it's going to be one of them things. I know that probably won't happen in any of our lifetimes, but you know, I don't think there's it's a genuine fear anything, though. Yeah. Like, especially with NASCAR, I mean, you got to think they're still going to have to, um, I mean, maybe they have, maybe it gets to the point to where they have hot swappable battery packs, you know, they're still going to have to change tires. I mean, eventually I'm guessing most, People are going to end up using hub motors for, uh, I understand Tesla uses like their drive units and stuff like that. And they're really efficient, but like hub motors are becoming a big thing too. Maybe NASCAR goes to those to where it's just, you know, a few bolts. You have the entire wheel out with the motor and all. And I mean, you can put a whole new motor on there. Pit stops, I mean, are never going to change for sure. And they already have um, the electric F1 scene. And I mean, those guys just go. Formula E? Lightning fast. It's, I mean, you can barely, you blink, you're going to miss the entire pack go by. Yeah. That's definitely something I've never seen yet. I probably need to watch a little bit is that electric F1. It's a lot of the same stuff. So yeah. I really don't think it's going to change, and it might switch to having more of a focus on driver's skill. Yeah, that's and, what I think, yeah. Which might be interesting. Might not be a bad thing. That might be interesting in, say, uh, somebody getting together and doing, like, the Le Mans race where it's got all the turns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That probably would be pretty interesting to watch. Yeah. Because that then it really does become all. It, I mean, it is driver skill right now because you got to know the right place to shift. You got to know the right RPMs to be at all the time so you don't blow up your motor. But that to me might be a little bit more interesting to bring in those electric cars and see where now that it doesn't matter about shifting and it doesn't matter about trying to maintain a certain RPM, where the driver's got to focus on braking quickly and getting around those corners. You're going to have a lower center of gravity so there's not a big fear about taking a corner way too sharp. Yep. I I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, like back to what you were saying about the Tesla engineering. I mean, those Model Xs, they shoot those things in the sand pits sideways at like 40 miles an hour just on those rigs that just, and they don't flip because their center of gravity is just so low that mm-hmm. they're just almost impossible to flip. Yep. Yeah. But then mentioning that, that's a great safety feature, and it's, it's going to help a lot of people in a very rough situation. The self-driving stuff's gonna help with that to some degrees. Well, even my 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 truck, it has blind spot monitoring, and it'll warn me if I'm getting too close to the edge of a lane and stuff like that. A lot of those safety features are gonna become more and more uh, prevalent, and and it might have a uh, impact on how people drive in the future. Well, soon enough, we're gonna have self-driving cars, so maybe that'll help the traffic situation. We won't have to worry about all these other clowns on the road, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, well. I think this has been a great little episode for us to have. I appreciate everybody getting back together for this. So uh, this has been Kicking the Tires, and thanks for listening.